All right, good morning, everyone. Uh, this is the Marin County Transit District Board of Directors meeting for February 6th. And we are meeting uh, um, on, virtually via Zoom. And if Kate or whoever could provide instructions on how folks can participate, um, and then we will go to open time for public expression. Yes, good morning, members of the board. I will now give instructions on how to provide public comment. We are accepting public comments over the telephone, through our online form, and through email. Our public comment form is available on our website at marintransit.org forward slash meetings. We are also accepting comments at the following email address, info, I-N-F-O, at marintransit.org. Please note, all comments received will become part of the meeting's written public record. If you are participating by telephone and wish to provide public comment, please press star nine when the public comment period is opened by the board president. After pressing star nine, please wait until you are notified that you've been unmuted, after which you'll be given a specific amount of time to speak by the board president. Thank you. Should I call roll as well, President Rice? Oh, sorry, you're muted. Yes, please call roll. Okay, all right, thank you. I will now call roll. President Rice? Here. Vice President Colbert? Here. Second Vice President Lucan? Here. Director Moulton Peters? Director Rodoni? Here. Director Sackett? Here. Director Bushy? Here. Director Casisa? Here. Thank you. We have a quorum. I'm rusty. Um, our first item on the agenda is open time for public expression for items uh, related to the, the Marin County Transit District, but not on our agenda today. Um, is there anyone from the public that would like to speak? We've received written comments on agenda items one, five, six, seven, and eight from member of the public via the district's online public comment form. The comments have been shared. Oh. Go ahead, Kate. Okay. Okay. Um, the comments have been shared with the board and will be included in the public record of this meeting. Thank you. Okay. Could you, if you have, do you have those comments in front of you? If you could just actually share the one for item one since it was specific. Yes, I can do that. Let me pull that up. One moment. All right. The one moment. Okay. The comment for item one said, on item one, I would like to ask the board whether there will be opportunities to place outside ads on vehicles contracted to Marin Airport or an MV transportation, especially when those can generate additional revenue from the agency. Golden Gate Transit has been showing advertisement on its buses for many years that I believe should be the same for vehicles not operated by Golden Gate Transit so that Marin Transit can get additional funding from showing such ads there should be very few limitations on what ads should be shown on them. If that is not possible, you can emulate what Santa Rosa City Bus does, which is to show announcements from either Marin County or any of the communities in the county to provide public service to riders and drivers. Thank you. All right, thank you. Are there any other public, any other speakers for open time, Kate? I'm not seeing anyone at this time. Uh, President Rice, I would just remind everyone who is listening to use the raise hand icon if they do wish to speak. Nobody has put their hand up. Okay, great. 
All right, so I'll bring it back here. And Nancy, actually, just um, really briefly for our own uh, information and edification, could you just share what our ad policy is and maybe briefly respond to the um, comment? Uh, yes, so the commenter is right. We do have advertising on our buses that are operated by Golden Gate. They do manage an advertising contract that covers their fleet as well as ours. Um, we have found that it is not cost-effective uh, for us to do that on our other uh, uh, contracts where we have contracted operators. They, because it does require some administrative work and staffing to uh, you know, uh, administer the contract as well as to, to find the advertisers, you know, then uh, put the ads on and take them off and that sort of thing. So we've not found a, a way that that works cost-effectively for us. All right, thank you. Okay, so we will move on to item two, which is Board of Directors Matters. Any directors have anything that they would like to share? Okay, not seeing anyone. So we'll move right on then to item three, which is the General Manager's Report. Nancy? Very good. Um, yes, uh, good morning, um, President Rice and members of the board. I'm trying to share my screen here. Give me just a second. Uh, this is not going well. Okay, are we there? Yes. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, we have a new little system here. It's kind of changed it up a bit for me. Okay, um, starting off, we have some, some really good news about funding. And so uh, we actually have a couple of recent grant, some news on recent grants. And the first one is on um, OBAG3, where MTC has recently approved an award of $1.6 million to uh, Marin Transit for our Transit Corridor Improvements Project. Uh, that is really a series of bus stop improvements that we're planning on three corridors, uh, two in San Rafael, 4th Street Corridor and the Lincoln Avenue Corridor in San Rafael, and then uh, one in Nevada on South Nevada Boulevard. And these improvements or potential improvements include the um, upgrading the amenities at each of the stops are some of the stops, uh, high priority stops, installing corridor focused real time passenger information. We're also considering piloting uh, a battery powered e-paper sign. And then also of course, improving ADA access at the um, higher ridership bus stops. Um, the other thing this project does include is an evaluation and implementation of transit priority improvements, which would uh, include working with the city of San Rafael on purchasing and installing signal uh, communication equipment for transit signal priority, and, and maybe looking for other ways that we can implement that uh, in other jurisdictions uh, across the county. And uh, this, of course, does help improve the transit reliability. And I'll just note that this is particularly interesting and exciting to us because we have not had any transit signal priority in the county. And if this is successful, it would be our first. So, oops, sorry, that's not what I meant to do. Um, the second uh, news that we got was on the part-time transit lanes, which is, we were um, being recommended uh, by MTC staff for a $1.1 million grant for the Transit Performance Initiative Program. It's the name of their grant program. 
And it's a project that we are teamed with TAM on. In fact, TAM is the lead for the part-time transit lanes. Um, the project is really the US 101 corridor from Nevada to San Rafael, where <clears throat> we use freeway lanes, excuse me, shoulder lanes and auxiliary lanes, exit lanes and, and existing bus bypasses to provide uh, transit travel time savings. So this again is another way to give our buses some priority and also would uh, provide our riders with greater reliability and faster time. So the um, TAM has completed a feasibility study for the project and it allow for the completion of, the, of uh, Caltrans's project initiation phase and environmental clearance phase and it does include associated outreach. And we understand that this grant will um, be considered by the MTC committees and the full commission this month and next. So continuing on, um, on some other funding news, I think you all have heard about Regional Measure 3 being um, uh, some news on RM, RM3, that is, which is a $3 phased-in bridge toll increase, which is approved by the voters in 2018. There were lawsuits filed subsequent to that in 2018, uh, saying that the, the toll wasn't, wasn't lawful, and the state Supreme Court has recently ruled that um, the, the, uh, the case has been dismissed uh, on its final appeal. So those funds have, that have been collected have been held in escrow and will be released uh, in the coming months. MTC is working on how to, exactly to do that. Um, just as a reminder, RM3 is uh, a $4.45 billion highway and transit improvement plan. So most of that money is going for transit. Um, so like 69% of the money is going for transit. And just um, to do a little highlight of some of uh, what what's happening specifically, the, the expenditure plan lists uh, corridor specific capital projects by bridge group. And this slide shows the list for the Northern Bridge Group, which is the Richmond San Rafael Bridge, the Benicia Martinez, the Acarquinas and Antioch Bridges. And there are two projects that I thought, of course, would be specifically significant to Marin Transit. The first is the one that's right there in the middle, which is the San Rafael Transit Center. Uh, which has uh, earmarked $30 million for the relocation project. And then the second one is um, just a couple lines below that that's called the North Bay Transit Access Improvements with $100, $100 million available uh, in that category. And we understand that that category will be awarded on a competitive basis and we're gonna be very carefully monitoring uh, how those funds will be granted. And then lastly, there are three other projects and they're all clustered right there in the middle that are uh, beneficial, of course, to Marin County, the State Route 37 improvements, SMART's extension to Healdsburg, and the Richmond Bridge access improvements. So uh, we're looking forward to seeing those funds flow in the next few months. So then looking at our ridership, uh, you've seen this chart for the last several months and you can see that Marine Transit on the dark blue bar there at 86%, that's using our NTD um, monthly data and comparing our data to the ridership data from the operators in the Bay Area. And again, we're still quite a bit ahead of, of everybody else. Although um, you can see if you look back to the previous months that many of the other operators are, in fact, their ridership is uh, starting to rebound as well. And then just looking at this from the actual ridership counts, the numbers, 
Um, we're in transit right now. We are the seventh in the region, which is uh, pretty good. We're right there between Caltrain County Connect and County Connection um, at 220,000 riders for the month of November in 2022. So um, then in your packet, of course, you do have the, the ridership monthly monitoring report, which reports out on ridership and, and a little bit of other data. Uh, this report is for the month of November, where we compare the current fixed ridership to ridership from the prior year. The gray line shows ridership by month for all of the last fiscal year, and the red line on top shows uh, the ridership for this year, and, and November is right there at 226,349 passengers. Our fixed route recovery, as I just mentioned, uh, is really strong, uh, stronger than our demand response ridership. And um, as we, we saw before, we're getting close to 90% uh, of our pre-COVID ridership on our fixed route services. Uh, ridership on Marin Access Services has plateaued at uh, less than half of the pre-COVID ridership. We were at about 43% uh, in as of uh, compared to November of, of 2019. And it's just started to decline a bit over the last few months and, and in fact dropped below the 2021 levels there. And for the month of December, ridership was just below 6,000 passengers. So that's uh, that's my report. Be happy to take any questions you might have. All right, thank you, Nancy. Um, board members, questions and welcome Director Moulton-Peters. Thank you, and I have a question. All righty, you go first. Good, thank you so much. Um, Nancy, I was interested in your report about uh, kind of reinvigorating some of our transit improvement projects now that we actually have funding to do them. And in particular, the, um, the tra uh, transit signal priorities, as well as the temporary use lanes on 101. Uh, SFMTA's Jeffrey Tumlin was interviewed a couple of weeks ago, right, on KQED. And uh, I think he's alluded to the uh, overwhelming improvement that those Van S dedicated lanes have made. And to the extent that I think Marin commuters are less familiar with what's going on in the transit world other places, unless they happen to go to the city, when you bring this back to us, I think it would be really helpful to talk about the, what I understand were 25% travel time advantages with the new Van S lanes, what, whatever they are. But this is gonna be a lift to bring this to Marin. Everyone will complain they don't like change. So I think highlighting the benefits will be important. Uh, and similarly on the, on the temporary uh, 101 lanes. Um, and then I just wanted to um, loop back real quick to board member announcements. I've joined Supervisor Rodoni on the Golden Gate Bridge District Board, which I'm very pleased about. And that uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to the discussions about their largely commute and recreation-based services, which are so different from our uh, transit dependent services for our riders. And then finally, um, thank you to everyone for support. I am now seated at MTC and we'll meet with the North Bay Commissioners tonight. And I look forward to representing Marin Transit on that board. Thank you. All right. Any other comments or questions for Nancy on the general manager's report? 
Okay, and um, why don't we then go, Holly, to public comment? Are there any members of the public that'd like to speak to the trans to the general manager's report? If everyone listening had a chance to raise their hand, if they want to comment on this item, I don't see anyone at this time. Okay. All right. So, um, Nancy, thank you very much. And just one follow up, um, also related also to Stephanie's comments. Um, I and also actually this is to our our Golden Gate Bridge reps, uh, um, Dennis and Stephanie. I am um, with regards to the RM3 uh, funds going towards towards the Richmond San Rafael Bridge access improvements, and I'm not sure which end of the bridge those are related to, but um, I do know that over, I mean, I'll be interested to hear if Golden Gate is going to be looking at, if those access improvements potentially do something to help uh, bus service over Richmond San Rafael Bridge um, and or not, if Golden Gate is, is doing any thinking uh, um, about adding service uh, to the East Bay over the bridge, if it is becoming at all more feasible um, that is one of the that, that was one of the things that that third lane potentially could offer if it were ever opened up, um, though we all understand that there's improvements that need to be made on the west side of the bridge. But mm -hmm. I think that's such an important uh, public transit route that has just really been a challenge for for decades now. So I just want to bring that up. And it does tie in, of course, to our Marin Transit as well. Katie, on that score, it might be worth um, inviting. Uh, a presentation from MTC on their Richmond Forward Bridge project. We haven't heard about it for a while, uh, and uh, it does have include uh, transit improvements, at least on the east side of the bridge, mm -hmm. which would enable more transit uh, coming across for commuters. So it might be good to have an update on that for this board. Great idea. All right. Um, maybe maybe uh, Nancy could answer this, but I believe that Funding is for the Richmond, Richmond side of the bridge, or most of it, but I don't know any specifics. And related to Golden Gate Bridge District, they kind of are taking a little different approach to adding service. They kind of want to see the demand before they add the buses on on those routes, a little different than what Marin Transit does, because we have, we have a policy we provide the bus service and then the riders come, and that's proven to be pretty successful. But the Golden Gate Bridge District is embarking on a strategic plan where some of these issues will get revisited. Yeah, yeah. All right, thank you. Okay, so we will move on to the consent calendar. There's two items on the consent calendar, the minutes of January 9th and the First Amendment with TransDev services for the Marin Access Service Program and Program. Any questions or comments? Holly, anybody from the public have anything on, want to comment on the consent calendar? Okay, once again, I'll give everyone a chance to raise their hand. I don't think anybody wishes to comment this time. All right. Okay. Bringing it back to the board. A motion to approve the, the consent calendar. I'll move the consent calendar. I'll second. I'll second. Motion Lucan, second Moulton Peters. Uh, could we have a roll call, please? Yes. President Rice, how do you vote? Yes. Vice President Colbert? Yes. Second Vice President Lucan? Yes. Director Moulton Peters? Yes. Director Rodoni? Yes. Director Sackett? Yes. 
Director Bushy? Yes. Thank you, that matter carries. All right. And now we're on to item five, and this is an update on the San Rafael Transit Center replacement project. Yes, I'll just take a, a quick intro here for uh, Kathleen Sullivan is going to actually uh, start us off. And, and we do have Adam Denkberg from Kimley Horn with us today. So I just wanted to remind the board that we haven't heard for, about this project in a little while. And it is real important to us. Uh, as you know, we provide the majority of the service that operates through the transit center and the majority of the riders uh, that, that travel uh, through the transit center armor and transit riders, certainly at some point. So um, just that it's very important to us and we're really um, excited about the fact that the environmental impact report has been finalized. So with that, I'm gonna hand it over to Kathleen. Yeah, and I'm I'm gonna quickly hand it over to Adam Dankberg um, from Kimley Horn. He's the project manager for the um, on the consultant side for the Golden Gate Bridge District on the redesign of the San Rafael Transit Center. So uh, Adam has a presentation. That this was presented to the Golden Gate Board upon adoption of their final environmental impact report in December. And so we just wanted you all to have the same level of information and understand where uh, the project is in its process. So take it away, Adam. All right, thank you, Kathleen. And good morning, members of the board. Um, today I'll provide, oh, I need to share my screen, don't I? All right. Okay. All right. Uh, good morning. Uh, today I'll provide a uh, update on the, uh, well, actually I'll start with some background information on the project, um, then uh, talk through the product description as well as uh, next steps. So starting with uh, project background, there's uh, several uh, elements that uh, result in the need for a new transit center. Um, these include uh, a need for improved access to the transit center for users. Um, the existing transit center is surrounded by uh, high volume streets uh, that make accessing the transit center and, um, and connecting between the transit center and downtown center fell difficult. Um, there's also operational needs. The extension of SMART a few years ago through the transit center bisected the transit center, making it more difficult for buses to circulate within the transit center, as well as making it challenging for buses um, to travel on streets in the, in the surrounding uh, downtown area. Um, the Trans Center is also about uh, three decades old and lacks uh, sufficient amenities and space uh, for customer service um, and other user comfort needs. Um, so based on this, uh, quite a number of years ago, the city embarked on the downtown station area plan, which was followed by a relocation study, uh, which was followed by this process, the sequel environmental process for the relocation of the Trans Center. Now, through that long process, uh, there's a, a detailed evaluation of alternatives uh, for the location of a new transit center, um, as well as an assessment of what the needs are for that facility. Uh, back in uh, 2018 is when we started the environmental process. Um, we started with a clean slate of alternatives um, and then screened uh, uh, quite a number of alternatives down to uh, those that are included in the draft environmental document. Um, over the course of that process, uh, there was extensive coordination amongst the different jurisdictions and agencies involved, uh, including Marin Transit. Um, and the draft EIR was released in August of 2021. Um, following that, uh, there was extensive meetings with city staff um, to coordinate uh, responses to city comments and, and make some updates to the document. And the final uh, EIR was released in October of 2022 and then adopted last month, or I guess now in December of uh, 22 by the district board. 
In terms of the overall project process, um, we are uh, just entering the preliminary engineering stage, having completed the CEQA analysis um, in, uh, in December 22 with the adoption of the environmental impact report. Um, pro, uh, the current contract that we have with the district takes us through preliminary engineering. Uh, subsequently, there'll be a final design and a construction stage uh, still to come. Since 2018, there's been an extensive public engagement process. Um, this has included uh, seven community meetings, uh, both in person prior to the pandemic, as well as virtual over the course of the pandemic. We had uh, multiple meetings in Spanish uh, in partnership with the Canal Alliance that were well attended and viewed by the uh, Spanish speaking community. Um, we had a, quite a number of hours of tabling at the Trans Center, connecting with transit riders. We also conducted surveys with uh, well over a thousand responses and a number of presentations to community groups. So a lot of input throughout the process um, over the course of screening, evaluating, and selecting a preferred alternative. Uh, in terms of the overall analysis that was used to select the alternative that was adopted by the district in December, um, included technical analysis of the Trans Center users, uh, analysis of bus operations and traffic circulation through the area, um, extensive community engagement, as I touched on, extensive stakeholder engagement with the Canal Alliance and other community groups, as well as the envir environmental ana analysis um, consistent uh, with, the, with the state environmental requirements. So the adopted alternative um, was known in the uh, environmental impact report as the move whistle stop alternative. Um, it would locate the transit center on either side of the existing smart station in downtown San Rafael uh, to orient folks uh, towards uh, this this map north is to the right. Um, 101 is at the bottom of the screen here. Um, and uh, downtown is kind of to the top and right of the screen. The existing trans center is on the left-hand side of the screen. Uh, the the uh, adopted concept would convert Tamil Pius Avenue to a bus only street with bus bays on both sides. Uh, it would actually flip the location of Tamil Pius Avenue with the existing whistle stop building so the whistle stop building would move um, to the west side of Tamil Pius Avenue, and that would be uh, reconfigured, repurposed for customer service uh, for the Trans Center, as well as other supporting uses. Uh, there would be a plaza along 4th Street. And then uh, a number of the bus bays would be east of the smart tracks um, between Heatherton and uh, the smart station. Um, we are, you know, the, the environmental impact report included the uh, identification of the parcels and the facilities needed for the Trans Center, um, but significant amount of additional design on both architectural design as well as uh, engineering design is still needed on the Trans Center. And that will be um, begun as part of the preliminary engineering stage and continued in final design. The uh, existing Trans Center site um, will, be, um, will be used until the new facility is ready, at which point in time the district plans on selling it. Um, to raise proceeds to uh, help contribute towards the cost of this project. The Trans Center includes a number of amenities. Um, the 17 bus bays matches the existing configuration of the uh, current Trans Center, but in a, in a way that would be much more flexible and adaptable for use by the transit operators. Um, there's a number of other customer facing amenities such as bike parking, security, pickup drop-off facilities, public restrooms. Um, the existing retail space that is currently in the Trans Center uh, would be brought over in, in some fashion uh, to the new Trans Center. We, we haven't exactly figured out the configuration of the retail space yet, but there will be some ancillary retail space. Um, in terms of benefits of this alternative, um, 
This alternative of the ones evaluated had the most significant benefits to transit travel time and reliability, improving transit connections and optimi optimizing operating costs. Uh, because it shifts the transit center away from the one-way streets, it actually reduces the amount of bus circulation on local streets, benefiting traffic and also making it more efficient for operations. Improved customer service amenities, as I mentioned, as well as additional flexible curb uh, for shuttles, microtransit, TNCs, pickup drop-off. Um, probably most notably and, and um, valuable for users, it does not require passengers to cross any auto streets to transfer either between buses or between buses and smart. Um, it includes no, new public spaces. It also provides a new two-way uh, cycle track that's a key part of the city's uh, north-south greenway uh, plan on Tamalpais Avenue. So in terms of overall timeline, um, we are uh, currently just starting the preliminary engineering phase. Uh, the, this phase includes the formation of a community design advisory group, uh, which will help inform the uh, design elements of the, uh, of the project. Um, that will also include a significant additional outreach process that will occur over the course of 2023. Um, with an adopted EIR, the district can also begin right away procurement. Um, we anticipate a final design to uh, occur over the course of 2024 um, with continued right-of-way procurement. Um, and then uh, 2025 is when construction will begin. And the idea is that it would be av available uh, for use in the winter or spring of 2027. So in terms of immediate next steps, um, we, uh, we are beginning the preliminary engineering phase, convening the community design advisory group. Um, this group will be comprised of representatives, uh, including transit riders, as well as other interested uh, groups uh, within the city. Um, as I mentioned, we'll be conducting additional stakeholder and community engagement and then complete uh, preliminary design. So we did include some renderings in the final EIR. These are shown here on the screen. However, we just really wanna emphasize that no architectural design has been done. And these are just um, sort of sample uh, images, um, but the actual look and feel will be refined over the course of this year. And uh, with that, happy to answer any questions. All right, Adam, thank you so much. Good to see you. Um, so questions, yeah, Supervisor or uh, Director Sackett, I see your hand up and anyone else that wants to speak, feel free to raise your hand. Thank you so much. I have a couple of questions and comments. Um, appreciate the presentation. So on the slide regarding the analysis, it talked about pre-COVID, post-COVID, and the future. And my question is, how, how is that analysis predicting the future? And what do you use? What tools do you use? And what we think is, is that? Do people know what the future holds? <laughs> this is the question. Yeah, no, I, I think, um, you know, there wasn't any quantitative prediction of, of future ridership um, for each bus route. Um, I think where that uh, kind of future con consideration is, is in speaking with the district and speaking with Marine Transit in terms of anticipated future service levels, because um, that's the really the key determinant for the sizing of the transit center is making sure it can handle uh, the levels of service, the number of buses, uh, frequency of that service. Um, in addition, the city of Santa Fe uh, included some um, forward-looking analysis as part of their general plan update that projected continued ridership growth. Um, and so that was also a useful data point uh, for us in, in predicting uh, future ridership um, activity um, that's critical to overall mobility in the city. So um, uh, yeah, I, I don't have any detailed um, you know, route-by-route route, uh, forecast to share or anything like that, but it was 
um, really mostly uh, making sure that the uh, facility can handle expected future needs. And so I guess my comment to some extent is, you know, I feel like when this process started, it was really a Golden Gate Transit centered, and now it's really much more Marin Transit centered, um, given the use and the ridership. And um, so, and, you know, if I were to predict the future for the site, I think that multimodal is really key um, there as well. Um, so one of my questions too is I saw that bike parking was considered. Is that going to be secure by par parking? Because we are hearing so much more about, you know, the cost of bikes and e-bikes. And if it's if it's just uh, you know, some place to lock up that people won't use that. Yes, we are expecting to provide uh, class one uh, bike lockers or other secured parking. Um, I think we're gonna fine tune the, the quantities and configuration of that over the course of the 30% design, but the expectation is to have uh, secure parking. Okay, and then my last question, and maybe this is to Director Bushy as well, but my understanding is that it's been presented to the city of San Rafael more recently and wondering what, if any changes or feedback has come as a result of that, the city's input. I'll let you go first if you want, Adam. Sure. Uh, should I go first? Sorry. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Great. Um, yeah. So we uh, received uh, lengthy feedback from the city of San Rafael on the draft environmental impact report. Um, and then we uh, basically that sort of caused the longer uh, gap between the draft and the final because we were working uh, closely with city staff to address their comments uh, through a variety of meetings. So that did result in some refinements to the layout of the Trans Center site. It also uh, resulted in some refinements to the environmental document itself. Um, we did present the uh, prior to the release of the final. Um, there's, uh, yeah, I believe it was prior to the release of the final. Um, we presented to the city um, in the fall of last year um, and received some additional feedback uh, from council members um, that uh, included, um, I think, a lot of interest in the community uh, design advisory group and, and the formation of that group. Um, and we're certainly uh, taking that input into account as we uh, think about how to convene uh, that group. Anything I missed? Uh... Yeah, per per perfect handoff. Um, Adam's given you basically the history of what has happened. Um, we're now at the stage of looking um, towards the future. Um, and the, the city of San Rafael, of course, this project is very important to us. This is sort of the entryway to, to San Rafael. So we are acutely interested in the architectural design and appearance of the structure. Um, that is going to be a, um, an area that we will want a great deal of um, opportunities for feedback and um, refinement and um, something to bring it up to um, San Rafael standards. Um, we also, of course, are very interested in how this will work with our streets um, and the traffic um, and pedestrian safety is of paramount importance to uh, the city of San Rafael as well. Um, and we have those, um, you know, regional trans um, transportation corridors on Second and Third Street that that we need to be thinking about as well. Um, so we are very closely involved in. Um, in all of the considerations and hope that um, our city staff will be consulted as this, the community process um, um, unfolds. Um, that's why um, 
our interest is um, acute at this stage. So Adam, I, um, I hope that everyone is um, being completely involved and that there will be um, no surprises as, the, uh, as you move towards the 30% plan. All right, uh, Director Colbert. Thank you. Thanks for the report, Adam. Um, do you know when will the Technical Advisory Committee reconvene? Uh, we haven't set a date for that yet. I think we're just uh, getting going on the um, preliminary engineering tasks. Uh, so that's something that we'll be checking with the uh, district on. All right, thank you. Uh, did I see another hand up? All right, um, two questions and then we'll go to public comment. Um, Adam and or Nancy. Well, I guess this is for Adam. Um, can you remind me, and maybe I missed it in the presentation, um, what is the sort of the planning horizon? What is the life, what is the useful life of the new transit center um, designed for? Um, let's see, I, you know, I think in terms of the, um, specific design elements, I think we haven't, you know, gotten to the design specific elements in terms of function, you know, I think we're, you know, we looked out to, uh, 2050 or so, I think is when the city's general plan is, if I'm recalling correctly. And I think we use that, um, in our consideration of kind of future needs of the transit center. So, um, I think that's, I guess, the, the best answer is kind of looking out to 2050. But I think as we get into the uh, selection of specific design elements, uh, that'll come up uh, further in terms of, you know, the canopies and, and structures and whatnot in terms of their design life. Right. Okay. And I, uh, I asked the question, obviously, because who knows where transit and the types of vehicles and all sorts of things are going. And I think I remember actually now conversations about this in the past. And one of the design challenges will be to, to what degree do you make the um, new transit center um, adaptable to changing mobility stuff. So anyway, um, just wanted to throw that out there, but I would think it's, it's, it's there for at least three decades, if not more in, in, in general form. My other question is, and I, and maybe this, I'm guessing we don't, we, I don't, we might, I'm thinking no one has it at the tip of their tongue, but I think it'd be really important to understand also from Marin Transit's perspective um, and for San Rafael is what is the, um, I mean, of course, all the rides are coming. Everyone who's getting on transit pretty much is coming through San Rafael, but what proportion of the ridership are actually San Rafael residents? Um, and, I, I, and, and also those, those patterns uh, of where folks are coming from. Um, I can start uh, if that's okay. So um, we did analysis of uh, passenger um, data using both uh, boardings and lightings as well as onboard survey data and found that about half of the passengers have an origin or destination in downtown San Rafael. Um, so I don't think we looked at uh, their actual place of residence, but in terms of where their origins and destinations are, um, about half were actually using the trans center, not as a transfer point, but as a ultimate origin or or destination point. Um, so I think that's the, the best answer I can uh, shit on that. Right. And I did want to quickly mention one other thing on your previous comment uh, regarding flexibility. And, and I, I don't think I dwelled on that enough in my presentation, but we are really designing the Trans Center with flexibility in mind. So for example, all the bus bays are straight bays. So we don't have any sawtooth bays. 
that allow greater flexibility in fleet sizing. Um, you know, instead of providing Arctics in the future, you could provide multiple shuttles and, and kind of use the same space. Um, you know, in terms of, uh, we're still early stages of figuring out the customer service facility, but we certainly want to design adaptability into that. Um, we're also thinking about sustainability elements and how to uh, best incorporate sustainability in the transit center. So um, I think your point is certainly well taken and, and something we're thinking about throughout is, is that flexibility to adapt to future needs. Right. Thank you. Um, Director Lucan. Uh, thank you, Chair Rice. Uh, Adam, great to see you. Thanks for the presentation. Um, one thing that, that popped up on one of your earlier slides, you showed um, prospective future development of the existing transit center once the project is completely done. Um, would that be fully under the purview of Golden Gate Bridge District in terms of disposition of that uh, property? Uh, to some extent, um, it's uh, the district owns the majority of the existing trans center site. There is a portion that is owned by Caltrans along Heatherton. Um, of course, it uh, lies within the city of San Rafael, um, so there will be a, a city involvement in that process as well. Um, the environmental impact report did not include um, the uh, future development of that property, so uh, it would need to have its own uh, approval process. Um, and so basically at this point in time, we're just identifying that it would no longer serve a, a transit need and it would be used uh, for development to help pay for the facility, but we haven't made any determination. There's been no determination made as far as what that ultimate development would look like. Gotcha. Uh, and is that something that's being, being talked about now? And I, I know with uh, Councilmember Bushy, um, I just know from my experience on the smart board of directors with property that we had, um, we found it not as easy to sell property as maybe we would have thought because there are always you know things hanging out there as to well what is the property zoned for what will the local jurisdiction allow so what turn what we thought would oftentimes just be a two-party negotiation turned into a three four five-party negotiation um, to value the property and and things tend to lag so maybe just kind of throwing it out there that uh, hopefully those conversations are starting now um, even though it might be many years away, uh, these things do take time. All right, if there's no other questions from board members, Holly, do we have folks from the public who'd like to speak on this item? We do. Um, first hand up is Linda Jackson. I'm gonna ask her to unmute. Hello, can you hear me? You are okay. We're good to go. Okay, thank you so much. Good morning um, uh, to the board of Marin Transit. This is a very exciting moment. I was actually the planner on that 2010-12 um, project, and that very first meeting we had everybody at the table. It was the first time they'd really come together to even talk about it. So it's um, you know 12 years later, what 13, uh, and it's very exciting to reach this point. I want to note that, as you all know, there are a number of people who are growing older in Marin. That number is increasing, and so you have a potential for really increasing ridership as people decide that transit is a good option for them, but it needs to be a viable option, so the shelter needs to be far better than what it is now, shelter from the rain, from the wind, from the sun and the heat, and there need to be benches. So the design of it is um, an enormously impactful um, part of this project. Having recently you know, been able to travel in Europe and other parts of the states, there are excellent examples that go far beyond what we currently have. So my question is, um, how will um, age-friendly design be incorporated and included in the um, design process for this? 
and rep- with representatives from older transit riders and um, for riders of di- with disabilities of all ages. Thank you. We do have one other hand up. I'm going to ask Kevin Carroll to unmute. Yeah, good morning. Uh, one question I've got um, is in the past, taxi cabs were sitting on uh, the smart tracks up until before they became operational. They were moved to the side street on Tamil Pius Avenue, where there's sort of a quasi illegal four or five companies that sit there in the regular parking spaces. Sometimes they move over next to the transit side in the spaces that are supposed to be just pick up and drop off. And I'm wondering if there's any part of this plan that includes where taxis might be sitting because they really are the last mile solution for a lot of people getting off at this transit center. And as the previous speaker just mentioned um, and the supervisors are gonna see in a report tomorrow, we're facing a very large a dramatic increase in our senior citizens. And so my question would be, is there gonna be a convenient place for them to access taxi cabs uh, when they get off the um, various transit platforms? Thank you. I do not see, oh, um, do not see anyone else this time. I think Kevin's hand is just still up. Okay, thank you. Adam, do you think you do you want to respond to sort of the taxi and ride hailing uh, elements of it and and then again to um, planning around future ridership over time? Yeah, sure. Um, so regarding the first comment about um, sort of aging and and senior mobility, um, you know we're still in discussions with the district about the uh, formation membership of the uh, community design advisory group and that certainly is a topic that has been raised in those discussions and we don't have a, a solution to present yet today but it's some, certainly something at the forefront of our minds and um, we'll be considering uh, through the design process um, regarding the question around uh, taxis so the trans center concept does include a new pickup drop-off zone actually on the west side of the customer service building um, so that would include a number of spaces for all sorts of pickup drop-off we anticipate uh, taxis would use that space as well um, I will note that taxi staging, which was what was occurring in the trans center area, is a bit of a different topic. I think we're providing space for pickup drop-off, uh, but taxi staging is, is something that I think will need to continue to be discussed with the city of Santa Fe going forward. All right. Thank you very much. Um, this is just an informational item, correct, Nancy? Um, so thank you, Adam, for being here today. Uh, and we look forward to future discussions and your working groups. And the, and um, I'm sure Marin Chancet will be actively participating as well as San Rafael. It's important to all of us, the, um, the, the transit center. And um, I think we're all invested in uh, making sure we every you get it right. Uh, but it's a we, even though it's a you. <laughs> all right. Uh, we will move on now to item six, and this is to set the public hearing for our June 2023 service changes. Nancy. Yeah, I'm going to hand it right off to Robert Betts, who's going to walk you through the changes that he kind of started uh, 
identifying the context for these changes in, in the last meeting, so uh, your last board meeting. So who's going to carry on today? <clears throat> okay, good morning, President Rice, uh, members of the board, Robert Betts, Director of Operations and Service Development, Marin Transit. Item number six, as you mentioned, is a request for your board to set the public hearing uh, for our June 2023 service changes. Go ahead and share my screen here. And as Nancy mentioned, I'm, I'm gonna start my presentation by revisiting the discussion we had with your board uh, at the January meeting. Uh, and at that meeting, we, we gave you an update of our current fixed route conditions, highlighting some of the uh, service challenges we've had, um, but also highlighting some of um, the uh, positive attributes of our strong ridership growth. So on the ridership side, we are seeing uh, a return of ridership. We're, we're trending right around 90% of pre-COVID conditions. And based on the last four to five months of ridership, we think for the fixed route side, that's that's going to be kind of our new normal uh, moving forward. However, we are continuing to face some challenges um, in with the reliability of our service, and this is largely due to uh, traffic conditions, which have come back now to pre-COVID uh, conditions and uh, an onset of, of driver shortages that have plagued us throughout the pandemic, but really seem to be um, hurting us in the last six to eight months. Um, so most of these service changes, I, I do want to say, are in response to the reliability issues we're facing today, again, related to, to traffic and driver shortages. These are not being driven by uh, financial conditions. I, I should mention that. Um, and the, the other uh, area that, that we're considering as part of the service change is uh, the regional coordination with our partners at the Bridge District and the changes that we've seen to the Golden Gate Regional Bus and Ferry routes. Um, <clears throat> also at that January meeting, we put forward five action items that our staff are working on to um, address these service issues. Um, the first bullet here, which again is, is really the focus of uh, my presentation this morning and the need to uh, put forward these, these proposed service changes um, adjusting our routing and schedules to better accommodate our driver needs and the impacts of traffic. That's that's really the focus here of, of this package. The next two bullets are uh, things that, that staff is actively working on, um, contract amendments to increase our driver pay um, and, and other frontline staff pay. Uh, your board just approved one of those actions as part of today's consent calendar. And over the last six months, um, we've worked with all of our contractors now to adjust uh, those wages. Um, continuing to improve our district-owned facilities, we uh, for the property we do own, we continue to make improvements to improve our operations and to improve the work the workplace conditions for our contractors. We just uh, broke ground last week on a new improvement project at 600 Rush Landing, and we are also in the design phases at our new Kerner property. Um, the next bullet is probably our top priority, continuing to pursue a dedicated operations and maintenance facility, which leads into uh, the final bullet, which is sustaining service moving forward. Because we do contract operations, the facility piece is a big part of, of how we um, provide our service and, and, and what the future looks like for those services. So the service change proposal, uh, at, at a quick overview, we do classify this as what we call a major service change. 
Um, and that's largely due to the fact that over half of our routes will be impacted in some way, shape, or form. So 12 of the 24 fixed route services are included in the service change pr proposal. Four routes are proposed for either cancellation or consolidation, and I'll talk through um, how that, that works here through the proposal. Overall, when we look at the total estimated change in service hours, we only estimate about a 2.8% reduction in service. So it's not a big service cut, but in order to achieve some of the efficiencies, it's a lot of rearranging of the pieces um, throughout the, the fixed route network. We are also able with the current proposal to decrease the number of uh, peak vehicle pullouts. So, so something we control on the scheduling side is how many vehicles are needed to support the service levels. Uh, we're estimating a decrease of 7.5% uh, reduction in the number of vehicles needed. So that, that does translate uh, into the number of drivers needed. Um, and then the final two points here with the proposal, we are requesting your board to set the public hearing for March 6th. That's your next board meeting. Um, and uh, if changes are approved, we're proposing um, to implement on June 11th, 2023. So the, the 12 routes that, that are uh, included in the service change proposal, uh, I'm gonna go through more or less route by route and give you a quick overview of the proposal in terms of changes to the alignment as well as changes to the service levels. Um, there's gonna be nine slides. Sometimes we present routes together to show what the replacements are. Um, and the first, uh, I'm, gonna, I'm just gonna go sequentially here. So starting with Route 22, and let me first orient you uh, to how these maps are developed. The black line is showing the proposed route. Uh, and if we are proposing to eliminate any service, that'll be shown in a red highlight. And if we're proposing to add or extend the route, that'll be shown in a green highlight. Um, we've, we've done call out boxes here and, um, We've also separated the service impacts to the alignment changes. So I'm gonna start with Route 22, the alignment change, and, and the recommendation here is to remove service to the Strawberry Village area in the northbound direction only on Route 22. This would be a change for weekday and weekend service. Um, there would continue to be service to um, Strawberry Village via the bus pads on Route 22. So the seminary bus pad, and the Tiburon bus pad. And then service to the stops uh, on, on the east side of Strawberry Village would continue to be served by Route 36 and 219, as well as select trips on Route 17. We're also proposing a reduction in service. Um, and on Route 22, the following weekday trips are proposed to be canceled. Southbound service from the transit center starting at 6.30, eight o'clock and nine o'clock p.m. and northbound service from Marin City starting at 8.04, 9.09 and 10.09 p.m. We're also proposing um, weekend trip cancellations in the northbound direction at 8.01 p.m. and 9.01 p.m. And I do wanna highlight that, and I'm gonna go back to the Route 22 map. The port, really the, the, the portion of service when we talk about service cancellations that would be great of greatest impact, or really the segment between College and Marin and the Highway 101 bus pads through Larkspur. That's an area where Route 22 is the only fixed route service. So I do wanna call and, and, and highlight that point. 
The other point I want to make um, that this would equate to a potential paratransit impact. So when when we alter hours of service and span of service, not only does it impact the fixed route rider, but because we provide complementary paratransit service, it would also impact the hours of operation that the paratransit service would be available. So I didn't put it on the slide, but I did want to also make that point here in my presentation. Moving on to Route 23 and Route 23X, the proposal for Route 23X is to cancel the service and to consolidate the service with Route 23. And to do that, what we're proposing is to extend every trip in the westbound direction out to Fairfax Manor. Right now, Route 23 starts in downtown Fairfax, so this would be an extension all the way to Fairfax Manor. <clears throat> and we would also extend every 23X or former 23X trip out to Target. So the full alignment here would be Fairfax Manor to Target. As part of the service change, Route 23X, the quote express portion that operates between San Anselmo and San Rafael would be removed and all trips would operate on 4th Street serving all bus stops between the transit center and the San Anselmo home. As part of this change, we're also proposing to add service frequency on Route 23. Right now, Route 23 operates once an hour, and we would propose on weekdays to run the service every 30 minutes. Route 29. Route 29 is a weekday peak only service, so we operate three morning trips and four afternoon trips. Uh, the proposal there's a number of proposed changes here to the alignment. The first is to remove the uh, segment that currently operates the canal loop and to also remove the segment that operates west of Bonaire on Sir Francis Drake out to College of Marin and then down Magnolia. And in its place, we would extend the route south along Magnolia on Doherty into Corte Madera on Tamil Vista, Tamil Pius, and Paradise. We'd continue to op offer the service at the same frequency and the same uh, span of service during weekday peak hour only. <clears throat> route 35, Route 35 is our highest ridership route in the service. It primarily serves three different markets. In the Southern end, it serves the canal um, every 15 minutes during the peak hour. Half of those trips extend north then along Lincoln to the Civic Center Northgate area. And today those trips continue all the way down, all the way into downtown Nevada. The recommendation here is to remove service north of Northgate into Nevada along the Highway 1, 101 bus, Highway 101 area to the bus pass. The primary recommendation for, or the primary reason for this recommendation is due to the added service that we've added during the pandemic on the Route 71 that operates along those same bus paths in the northern portion of the county. <clears throat> Route 49. The proposed change to Route 49 is to extend the current alignment from downtown Nevada to Redwood and Grant to serve the San Marin neighborhood and to connect to the San Marin Smart Station in the north. There's also a minor removal of service in the Northgate area that is replaced by the Route 35 extension into uh, Northgate to Terralinda High School. 
Route 71, there's no proposed change to the Route 71 alignment, but we are proposing to add weekday midday service to create a 30-minute service frequency throughout the day between 5 a.m. and 6 o'clock p.m. After 6 o'clock p.m., the route runs once an hour until about 12.30 in the morning. And this would also match the current weekend service frequency. Route 219, we're proposing with Route 219 to remove the service on what we call the 219F alignment, which is the service up into the Tiburon Hills that we operate twice in the morning and twice in the afternoon that currently connects to the Tiburon Ferry. The proposal would be to continue to operate the service just along Tiburon Boulevard, and we would continue to time the service to the Tiburon Ferry arrival and departures um, but riders that are currently riding it up into the hills would now have to come down to the boulevard to access the service. In addition to the alignment change, we're also proposing to reduce service frequency on Route 219, largely due to low ridership, from every 20 to 30 minutes to every 35 to 40 minutes. Route 251, Route 251 is our local Novato route. Um, it, it serves um, pretty much all the local destinations in Novato, starting in the north of San Marin. It operates through downtown Novato, down south Novato Boulevard. It deviates over to serve the Vintage Oaks Shopping Center. Then it continues down Sunset to Indian Valley Campus, and then ultimately ending in uh, the Hamilton neighborhood. The recommendation is to cancel Route 251. Uh, the northern portion of the route would be replaced by the extension I mentioned on Route 49, and the southern portion um, of the route would be added to the existing 257. <clears throat> so as you can see on, on the map on the right, the 257 currently today goes through Hamilton and terminates out at the IVC campus. The proposal would be, once the service reaches Novato, to operate north on Alameda del Prado, continue out to the Indian Valley campus, and then continue north to serve um, Vintage Oaks, and then to continue into downtown Novato and ultimately connecting back up to the San Marin Smart Station. In addition, we would add a weekday peak hour frequency within Novato to create a 30-minute service frequency. And then we would add 60 minute service on the weekends within Novato only to restore the losses in service from the Route 251. And the final recommendation would be to discontinue two of our supplemental school routes, Route 645 and Route 651. These are services that operate school days only that are timed to the bells at Terra Linda High School, and then in Novato at San Marin, Novato High School. We would replace these services with, with uh, the recommended changes on Route 35 to replace the service to Terra Linda High School. And then the changes on Route 49 and 257 would replace the 651 service within the bottom. <clears throat> so the, the strategy here is to more or less add service frequency and improve the underlying local transit service and not rely on these dedicated school day only trips to provide students with better service options and more service frequency 
not only on school days, but outside school days. So next steps for the process, if your board approves setting the public hearing in March, um, we've outlined an, an outreach and education process. The goal is to educate our existing riders on what the proposed changes are, and then to get that feedback in a way that staff can consider that and make any proposed changes or adjustments to the uh, current proposal. We're planning to do uh, outreach and digital print and in-person. Um, we, we have a, a website ready to go that, that will be kind of the uh, home for all the information and, and uh, education. We'll also have a comment form on that website where writers can directly um, submit feedback. We will do outreach through social media and email, uh, notifying writers about the proposed changes. We're also planning to create uh, online videos in both English and Spanish to go over in a similar way that I did this morning what the proposed changes are. In terms of print, we have in-vehicle notices that are ready to post within the buses, as well as at nearly 100 bus stops across the county that direct riders to the website to find out more information. And then finally, we will be hosting in-person events. Uh, we have times on the calendar for staff to go out to our high ridership bus stops, to engage with riders, to inform riders. Um, we have some stakeholder meetings already planned uh, to help our stakeholders spread the word on, on the proposal. Uh, we also have two community um, virtual meetings set up for the third week in February. One will be done in English, one will be done in Spanish. Um, and then of course, the public hearing at your board meeting, um, if that is approved today. And with that, I will be happy to answer any questions. Okay, Robert, thank you. So there's going to be a test on this at our next board meeting. Um, I want to give everybody just a moment. So um, there's a lot of outreach that's going to happen between now and our public hearing. Um, I was one, and I'm Robert, I, I really appreciate going through the detailed changes. I think it's a lot for anyone to take in. And I, if you could just um, maybe characterize at a high level, actually what's gonna be the net impact or the experience of riders on the ground? Who's gonna see really the biggest change? Because my read of what, what you're proposing is that potentially people are getting on a different number of, you know, a bus with a different number. Um, and some minor route changes sometimes, but uh, their experience from getting from one point to the other may not be that different uh, than what they're experiencing today. I mean, can you characterize what sort of the net impact is um, on riders and or which routes really um, are seeing the biggest change and the most, and, and, and riders, many riders will be affected in terms of frequency and uh, destination? origin destination? Yeah, great, great question. Let me try and, and, and group how the riders will be impacted, because I think it, it will be different depending upon where the changes are happening. Um, I think first off in, in Nevada, which is perhaps the most significant because the 251 is the local route. In Nevada, it is going to be a matter of, of taking a different number. So the coverage will be there, but example, the San Marin riders will now be riding Route 49 where the other local riders will be riding 257. 
Um, for, for the canal riders, and I'm gonna use the canal riders because that's the majority of the Route 35 changes, that's gonna be um, a change um, as, as it relates to the extension to Novato, that's gonna be a change of now requiring to make a transfer at the San Rafael Transit Center if you wanna continue north of the Northgate area. So that's where the education process is gonna come in. Um, it'll be a time transfer. The service levels will be just as high. The frequencies will be just as high, but it will require getting on and off the vehicle. The, the impacts to the canal rider as it relates to the 645, the school route, that will simply be an, a different number. So rather than taking the 645, you'll be taking uh, Route 35. Um, I think I think those are the when I think through kind of the most significant impacts. Of course, in in Tiburon and areas of Larkspur, where we are proposing reductions, and I think you know that is an education process of what are our other options if if service is less frequent or it doesn't operate at certain hours of the day. Okay, and I think that that's it. If individual board members have questions today or after or after in between meetings. Uh, they can reach out to you um, is in, in terms of, but I, and I do think, and when you present to the, in my view, when you are going out into the community, it, it may be really important just to focus in on, on origin destination and what will be different for someone. Uh, because I, I think it can feel like a lot of red uh, when there's not, when you don't have the overlay of all the extra routes. So questions, board members. Giving you a lot of time there. Just get your wheels turning. Okay, I don't see any hands up. Why don't we then go? Oh, Fred, did you want to ask a question? Uh, yeah, thanks. Um, it, it looks like you're doing a lot of outreach to the community on the two, I think, routes that are related to the schools, high schools. Are you going to do outreach to the um, school districts themselves and potentially to the students? Absolutely, yeah. We we have um, coordinate school coordinators at at all of our school sites, so they're part of our quote stakeholder uh, outreach and and communication. Um, we will be reaching out. We we have messaging that we hope um, not only the schools can can help disseminate, but also our local cities and the county and uh, you all through your newsletters. So again, if if um, if the items approved, we'll be moving forward and and starting to get the word out. Okay, thanks. And then one other question on the on the Tiburon route, um, where you mentioned people now have to, I guess, walk down the hills at a Tiburon Boulevard. Can you just put it in perspective how much of that ridership has dropped off? Um, just put it in perspective. Thanks. Yeah. So so Route 219 is is one of the routes that we really haven't seen a restoration of ridership on. Ridership today is is about 50 to 55 percent of pre-COVID levels. Um, Whereas most of our fixed route uh, services are back at 90 to 100% of pre-COVID levels. Okay, thanks. Uh, that, that, that was it. I appreciate, by the way, the way you did the mapping of the routes and how you laid those out. It's really well done. Um, gives a good explanation of it. Thanks. Uh, Director Lucan. Uh, thank you. Uh, Robert, just to follow up on, on Fred's questions about the school uh, routes. Um, can you just speak to the timing of when any of these perspective changes will go into effect and how that coordinates with the, the school uh, school year? Yeah, great, great question. So we are proposing to make these changes on June 11th. 
we have recognized that many schools, that'll be almost the last week of schools. So in order to minimize any disruption and impact on the students, we would plan to um, at least keep the 645 and the 651 running through the end of the school year. Um, so yeah, that, that's our plan right now. Um, but the added service that's included as part of the 35 and the 651 changes, I'm sorry, the 657, 257 uh, changes would, would um, start on the 11th. So there'd actually be kind of even more service for that last week or so of school. Uh, Director Bushy. Uh, a quick question about the interface between the Route 35 and the Route 71. If I um, understood your presentation correctly, um, passenger, uh, passengers will need to get off at the transit center and switch to a 71 bus, whereas previously they stayed on the 35. How are you going to find those people before they realize, well, to, before they get to the Terra Linda High School, the bus turns around, um, that, that, that they need to get onto the 71? What's the plan for that small segment? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, that right now we're focused on outreach, proposed service changes. Once your board takes action, then we shift gears and really start educating riders on on what the changes are. Um, and and in the past, we found the best way to do that is to be out there at the bus stops, engaging with riders in English and Spanish. Um, so that that would be a similar strategy. Of course, we can we can do things like stop notices and and try and post uh, print information, but um, our, our streets team, our outreach streets team, and that, that's gonna be their assignment um, before June. And, and drivers as well, because um, as a former bus rider, we don't pay attention until it's right in our face. So, so uh, we, want, we want to catch those people um, before, they, uh, before they miss the transit center. So thank you. Thank you. All right, and then uh, we can go to the public and while they're putting up their hands, quick question, Robert, too specific. You mentioned, and I think this is with regards to the Route 22, but it may be something else, that um, paratransit was gonna be impacted. Um, and is that just per time of use or is it for the entire route? It's, it, it'll just be, um, it's really gonna impact that segment and it's gonna impact the time when it's available. So I think I think the proposal right now uh, would be to end fixed route service within that area around eight o'clock PM, which would mean that uh, if we're not providing fixed route service after eight o'clock, we would not also offer complimentary paratransit after eight o'clock at night. The other segments that the Route 22 traverses largely between you know, downtown San Rafael and San Anselmo and then along that Highway 101 corridor, those will still have fixed route services operating. Um, so there would continue to be paratransit service uh, based on you know, the hours of say the, the 71 or the 68 or the 23 or the other routes that serve those corridors. Okay, thank you, I appreciate that. And then um, I, I'm gathering that you actually have pretty specific data on ridership during those periods on those routes currently that are utilizing paratransit. And frankly, that outreach um, can be really pretty target, I would think, 
Um, but I would be curious to know, and you can get back to me on it, exactly how many folks are utilizing, taking advantage of paratransit after eight o'clock, just to have a, a sense. And then also um, that 22 change um, does uh, cut out College Marin a bit. And I'm, I'd also be interested in your data on um, where if we if if we've got folks riding during that are currently utilizing that segment of the route during those times, it's no longer to be in service uh, as to what the impacts are there. Because um, just for the knowledge of the greater board, we actually at Marin Transit uh, ridership of College Marin students is really uh, built up over time and their, their, those routes have been uh, important to them, though I don't know at that time, time of the day or night. So anyway. And Director Rice, I, sh I should have mentioned before your board approves these service changes, staff will be presenting a, a Title VI report that, that will really go into detail in terms of who's potentially being impacted, um, both in, in terms of our, our minority riders and our low-income riders. So, so that analysis is going to get mm -hmm. a lot more into the weeds in terms of you know who, who potentially would be impacted, including some of those numbers you're requesting earlier. Great. Thank you very much. All right, Holly, anybody in the public? No hands have come up. So I'm gonna say that nobody wants to comment on this item at this time. Okay, Mary Beth, did you have another question? Oh, okay. All right, um, so bring it back here, looking for a motion to set the public hearing to receive public comments on June 20th, on the June 20, on the March 6th meeting for, for these June 2023 service changes on the fixed route service. So move, assuming the comments sent in in writing would be part of this public record if they apply. Thank you, Dennis. Do you have a second? Second. Motion Rodoni, second Lucan. Can we have a roll call, please? Yes. And Director Casisa will now be voting in Vice President Colbert's absence. President Rice, how do you vote? Yes. Second Vice President Lucan? Yes. Director Moulton Peters? Yes. Director Rodoni? Yes. Director Bushy? Yes. Director Casisa? Yes. Thank you. That matter carries. Okay, and we are on to, thank you, Robert, very much, as usual. Um, great job. Uh, we're on to Marin Transit and Marin Access new logo implementation plan. Nancy. Yes, we Kathleen Sullivan is going to do a quick presentation on our, our logo refresh. Hi, good morning, everyone. This is just an uh, informational item, and um, I'm just going to make a quick verbal update. You have all the information in your board letter. But as Nancy reported last month, we have done a refresh of our main agency logo with a more modern look and to improve legibility and recognition for the general public and our um, ADA riders or you know, those with visual um, disabilities. Since then, we've also completed the refresh of the Marin Access logo to align with the main agency logo. So the logo is now live on the website and we've updated our press kit with high quality versions of both logos in, in all of the color variants. Um, there's also a brand and style guide with instructions on how to use the logo and a series of high quality photos in that press kit on our website. Um, all other materials and capital infrastructure are going to be updated over time, according to a phased implementation plan that was included as an attachment to your board letter. We designed, designed a phased implementation plan really to minimize costs 
um, and staff time required for the logo update. For electronic materials, we have done most updates already and any remaining ones will be done in the next uh, month or so. For things that are printed or electronic and printed, um, we will be updating basically at the next scheduled printing so that the logo update is rolled out into ongoing costs that are already expected and budgeted for. A great example is the rider guide, which we will be updating with the upcoming service changes that Robert just presented on. And we will update the logo for that reprint. We wanted to make sure the electronic version matches the one that is out, out in circulation in the public. So we'll be making all those changes at once for the June service change. Um, the logo implementation plan for some of our capital assets, like the decals on our vehicles, is still being determined um, because replacing decals on existing buses requires a larger investment of staff time. Um, also things like signage updates at the San Rafael Transit Center require coordination with other organizations and agencies. So the costs for the vehicles and signage upgrades have not been finalized, but we anticipate them to be well below the $50,000 um, of the general manager's authority to approve and can be incorporated into our, into our budget um, pretty seamlessly. So due to the, this phased implementation, there is going to be a period of time during which Marin Transit will be represented publicly by both the old and updated logos. Um, it may take a year or more to achieve full consistency of the new logo through the system and materials. We thought the trade-off of that inconsistency was worth um, not having there be a, a huge outlay of resources to do all these updates you know, in one fell swoop. So again, this is an informational item. Happy to take any comments or questions. All right, comments or questions? Oh, we all think it looks good, I guess. All right, any comments from the public, Holly? If I want a second to raise their hand. No comments at this time. Okie doke. So this is a discussion item. Don't need to take an action. All right, I think uh, everything's been thoroughly done. We're all on board with the direction. So that will go on to item eight, which is regarding future meetings of the Transit District Board. Nancy. Yes. All right, thank you, President Rice. Uh, as you know, Governor Newsom is expected to lift the state of emergency order on February 28th, and that will essentially require in-person public meetings uh, as governed by the uh, the Brown Act. And recently, the legislature passed AB 2449, allowing for remote participation for members of a legislative body under limited circumstances. Um, that bill will sunset, by the way, on January 1st, 2026. <clears throat> Over the past several months, staff have been, <clears throat> excuse me, have been working with the county staff to determine how Marine Transit could conduct hybrid board meetings at the Board of Supervisors Chambers in uh, the Civic Center. And there were several technical issues and cost considerations that made the hybrid option difficult for us. Uh, today, we're pleased to report that the technical resource challenge uh, we faced earlier, ha have they, that has been resolved and uh, staff negotiated with the county's audiovisual vendor, NTT, and the um, Marin County IT team to allow access to the district per, district's preferred vendor, which is uh, Marin TV. And the cost for Marin TV to support hybrid meetings is significantly less than the, we um, had been quoted for the uh, provision of those services by NTT. 
We've also confirmed access to a stable internet connection uh, up at the chambers. So under the setup, we'll be able to conduct hybrid meetings, allowing the public to participate in person or on Zoom. And of course, the public also has many other ways to participate via our comment forms and writing, calling us, that sort of thing. Um, board members will also be able to participate on Zoom under the specific and limited circumstances allowed under AB 2449. The requirements for virtual participation by board members are highlighted in our staff uh, letter and are detailed in, in the bill, of course. So based on the latest information on conducting hybrid meetings from the board chambers, uh, we are recommending that your board approve conducting in-person meetings at the Marin County Civic Center starting on March 6th. Uh, Zoom participation by members of the public and by directors as provided for under AB 2449 will be allowed. And this is uh, an action item. We're asking you to approve uh, our return to in-person board meetings in March. Okay. Any questions? Comments? Sighs? <laughs> Grumbles? All right. Uh, any members of any public comment on this item, Holly? No, I don't see anyone at this time. All right. So bring it back here. Looking for a motion. I move that we approve this item and bring the meetings back to Civic Center. Second. Okay, motion, Peter. second, Bushy, coming back to in-person meetings at the Civic Center with the opportunity for the public to participate by Zoom and directors in under special circumstances. Uh, can we have a roll call, please? Yes, President Rice, how do you vote? Yes. Second, Vice President Lucan? Yes. Director Moulton Peters? Yes. Director Rodoni? Yes. Director Bushy? Yes. Director Casisa? Yes. Thank you, that matter carries. All right, thank you all, thank you staff. And uh, with that, we are adjourned and we will see everyone on March 6th in person. Have a good day. Thank you.